Welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and I'm calling this episode number six, but really it's just bonus content to our previous episode uh, where Brian and I discussed the imagery of John chapter 14. If you haven't heard that episode yet, please go back and take a listen. (laughs) Uh, Well, you kind of have to almost really. It's going to give you all the context you need to understand what we're even talking about uh, in this brief episode. Anyway, I had a lingering question about this topic that you might have had as well. Uh, So I called up Brian and said, hey, man, let's talk about that. Here's the conversation. Let's jump right in. All right, Brian. So I've got a couple questions or like kind of a big one based upon our John 14 discussion that we had. Right. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was hard to get everything in into that session. There's a lot to think about. I know, especially for people who've thought about that passage in one particular way, it's a lot to take in when you begin to see it differently or even entertain the possibility that it might mean something different. Yeah, that that uh, where Jesus is going, he's going to the cross and that it's right. it's all about the temple, that Jesus is replacing the temple. So, you know, we're in John 14 again, and so sure. I was I was looking back over that after we had our conversation about that Jesus is the is the temple, the temple theme that's all through John. So there was one part of this, John 14, and it starts in verse 2, that I'm like, I got some questions for you. And it's, right. uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. Uh, okay. If it, if it were not, if not, I would have told you I'm going to where to prepare a place for you. So what sure. do we do with that? If, you know, if, if we're taking this, Jesus is the temple theme, what right. do we do with a verse like that? How are we to think of the rooms? Like, what is that? Oh, the rooms part? Well, okay. just, I mean, in my father's house are many rooms. Like, what are we supposed right. to do with that? And, and Yeah, what? I mentioned this. I mentioned this just briefly. Of course, my father's house was an important part of what we talked about. Absolutely. Right? Is, the temple. Is, yeah, that's that's what it seems like in two. I mean, nobody questions in two that that's what it is. Uh, you know, if you would have talked about God's house in the in the first century, again, they had an idea that God he wasn't bound by the temple. In fact, the Old Testament says that specifically. But if they talked about God's house, kind of where God dwelt in a special way, they would have thought temple. But this this word room, I actually I mentioned it. Uh, briefly when we talked before. If you go back and listen to that episode, you'll see that I I mentioned this. Like I said, there just wasn't enough time to explore it. But the word here is is the the sink. I'm going to give you a couple of Greek words here. Okay. Oh, perfect. Right in my wheelhouse. We don't don't have to talk (laughs) about Greek a lot, but I want you to, I think you can hear some of the similarity to what I'm going to talk about. So the word here is is plural. That's it's rooms in English is a plural word, right? Mm -hmm. But the singular of that Greek word is, is the word Monet. Okay. Monet, 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 Monet. Monet. Oh, anyway, that's right. Is that, is that right? You didn't know that. You didn't know that's what that song was about. I I didn't, but now I know it's, I had no idea it was Greek. It's about John 14. Perfect. Monet, Monet. But but anyway, Monet, Monet is this word and, and this is the plural. So the word plural here is Monai. Okay. Okay. And that word in, in the noun form, of, of room is only used twice in the entire New Testament. Okay. Okay. I'm going to show you the other place in just a minute. It's once in the singular, it's once in the plural. Okay. And I've mentioned this, I, and there are some translations that say, actually, let me go back for just a minute. <clears throat> I'm older than you are, obviously. And I was raised on the King James Version. And I've, most of my life, I've preached to people who were raised on the King James Version. Do you know what the King James says here? Uh, Thouest hast miniest roomest. <laughs> Ryan, you're so close, but no, that's not what it says. 
I'm going to read the King James. This is the King James. It says, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. All those songs about a mansion over the hilltop and all that kind of thing come from this from this passage. That's a part of that cultural thing as well. But but mansion really does not capture this too much either. In fact, the word mansion here probably doesn't mean what we think of when the word mansion, even when, when it was used in the King James Version. Uh, have you ever heard – this is kind of an old word too. Have you ever heard where the preacher lives called the manse? Mm-mm. Have you ever heard that? Well, well, that's what it comes from as well. It's that kind of an idea. That's where the preacher lives is the manse. But but the word in Greek, like I said, is monai. And it, what I said in in our last podcast when we did this is that it's it's attached to a very important word, a verb in in the Gospel of John, which is the word minnow. Okay, and there's where I, that's the reason I want to give you the Greek because you can mm-hmm. see the similarity. Minnow is the verb, mone is the is the noun. Okay, mm-hmm. monai is the plural. So. The word minnow is used a lot in the Gospel of John. I'm going to give you some statistics here in just a minute, so you know, get ready for that. But <laughs> it's, and, and I should say it's not minnow like like the fish. fish it's not spelled right. that way. <laughs> it's it's M E N O, and and if we were doing it, we'd put a line over it to say it's a long O. So M E N O minnow is is the verb form of this. That's the word that means to remain, or to stay, or to abide. And actually, I mentioned it a couple times. Remember when we look back in John chapter 1, and it talked about that he made his dwelling with us? Yes. So, so this idea that he remained with us. Uh, in, in chapter the end of chapter 1, Jesus has these disciples that begin to follow him, and he turns around and says, what is it you seek? Uh, they say, where are you staying? Where, where are you remaining? And he tells them, come and see is the invitation. I want to talk about come and see sometime when we get a chance, but, but he says, he says, come and see. And it says they remained with him from that hour. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the word remain, let me give you some statistics. Now in the gospel of Matthew, that word minnow is used three times. It's never used in the gospel of Mark in the gospel of Luke. It is used seven times in the gospel of John. It is used 40 times. Okay. So you, 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 now, and, and let me just use that as an example. This is one of the things that we can do when we talk about kind of has, as we study scripture, how do we notice some things that are important? Mm-hmm. When you see these repeated words in a book, the author's usually trying to make a point with it, right? They're trying to do something with it. That's an important word to them. And almost every every one of the Gospels, well, I should say almost all of the Gospels have certain words or certain themes that they come back to over and over and over again. And when you begin to look at the similarities and the differences there, that begins to really teach us what these books are trying to say to us about who Jesus is. So the the, the idea of remaining or staying or abiding in the Gospel of John is an important one. Okay, mm-hmm. so look. So remember, I said that chapter fourteen was a part of a larger discourse. Do you remember what I called that, Ryan? I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like a blank slate. <laughs> I've slept I, I, since I, we had this conversation. <laughs> Forgive me. All right. It, it, it's called the upper room discourse. Okay. So this, and you remember we talked about a discourse as yes. a conversation back mm-hmm. and forth between Jesus and his disciples. So this is the upper room discourse later in the very next chapter. This is, if you're in John 14 in John 15, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see this. Do you remember what John 15, it talks about, I'm the true vine and my father's the, is the 
gardener, George. Yes. He's the he's the one who who tends the plant. And then I look at verse four. Okay. I want you to notice this. Remain in me. Do you see that word remain? Yep. That is the word minnow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to read the next several verses and I want you to listen for the word remain. Okay. Okay. Remain in me as I, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Did you hear how many times remain is used there? Uh, Yes, a lot. Did you count? Did you count? I didn't count. Okay. Was I supposed to count? Yeah. It's something like 10 or 11. I was going to say 10. But. But but here's the point. So so you see that that's a central point of this of this whole conversation, this discourse, right? Right. And, and this idea of remaining in Jesus. So let's go back to John 14 for just a minute, and I want us to think about the significance of that idea of of the rooms. Then, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also me. My Father's house has many places, places to, to remain. remain. That's how I would say it. To abide places that you can dwell. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to prepare a place. And I su- suggested tapas is that word for for a uh, place of worship. Right. It can be mm-hmm. used that way. And if I'm going, I'm going to come and take you back so that you can be with me. Mm-hmm. So I think the significance of the rooms there isn't I, I don't know. What do you imagine? Is it a dormitory? I don't I don't know. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't think that's. I, I think the the main point that's being gotten he, at here. I think what Jesus is really saying is that what he is doing at the cross is, is going to make it possible for us to be with him, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what it was all about. It, 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 in a, in a way, we could summarize the whole story of Scripture in this way. In Genesis chapter one: God creates the world, right? And He creates Adam and Eve. And and I tell you one of one of the things that I think is a mystery there, and one of the, one of my favorite passages that kind of give us a sense of the world the way God wanted it to be, is do you remember after after the sin of Genesis three, Adam and Eve hid from God, mm-hmm. but it said that God came to walk with them in the cool of the day, mm-hmm. and and it's like th- that was their habit, you know that was their that was the end of their day. It's kind of like let let's go to the garden with God and and talk with Him and. And just have this this relationship uh, with him, that that idea of being with him, that that intimacy. But then, of course, because of their sin, they were separated from him. And and we see that in in Genesis three, symbolically at least, with them being cast out of the garden, right? Mm-hmm. And there's an there's you remember might remember there's a uh, an angel that's placed the at the garden sword. with a flaming sword to, to basically show that separation. So, so that's what it's all about. There's a separation, but then all of worship. I mentioned to you when we talked about John 14, the, the most common word for worship in the Old Testament is this idea of, of drawing near to God, right? And so that's what we're longing for. We're longing for that. In fact, you know, Augustine said this, C.S. Lewis said it in, in, in amazing ways, but we were created for intimacy with God, 
and, and so when we don't have that, when we're separated from God, we have that longing. Um, the way that Augustine said is, you created us for yourself, and so uh, uh, our our um, hearts are restless until they find rest in you, right? Or, or C.S. Lewis talks about a, a God-shaped hole that we have within us, that until until we have that intimacy with God again, we, we're lacking. We, we, we feel that absence. Uh, and and I, I think that's true. I mean, there might be some who would disagree with me on that. But, but, but you get what I'm saying, this idea of we were meant, meant to be with God. That's what creation was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then we're separated from God. Worship is trying to draw near to God. The Old Testament worship system, the sacrificial system was trying to bring us near to God. But then ultimately, Jesus comes, right? We can't, we can't ascend to God, but Jesus comes and he dwells with us. And then he gives us a way to have intimacy with the Father. We we come to the Father. In fact, it's what Jesus says just a little bit after these verses, through only through him. We we draw near to God through Jesus. And he, he he's opening up that way. So that's that's what I was saying. He becomes this temple for us. He he becomes the place where we are able to dwell with God. Okay, mm-hmm. and then we look forward, and you might remember I ended last uh, that that time we talked about this. I guess it wasn't necessarily last time, but when we talked about John fourteen, you might remember that we ended in Revelation, right? And, and the picture we have at the end in Revelation there was no temple. One. There was no temple in the in the new heaven and new earth, right? But what does he say? He says, uh, I, "I will was be residing. with my people." Right? Mm-hmm. They will be my people, and I will be their God, and I will make my dwelling with them. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's really what it's about. It's 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 regaining the intimacy that was lost because of because of our rebellion, our, our separating ourselves from God, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's how this fits in. If that makes sense, my father's house has has many places, you know, and and I think many is important. Palai is is the word here. It, it, many is is that there is sufficient abiding place for any who would come to the Father through Jesus. Right. There's no separation here. There's there's no, you know, Paul makes a big deal about this, obviously, later that there's no Jew or Gentile. You know, this is this is for everyone. Everyone who would come to the father through Jesus is able to abide with him and, and enjoy that. Now, that was a lot of questions to this point. I got one more thing I want to show you. No, I, th- I think that's you know, that was been my main thing is kind of going, you know, and I think this is one thing it's kind of goes back to like how we all started this. Like we get this idea ingrained in our brain, like this sure. is what this means. And then yep. there's this dissonance of like, so what do I do with this? What do I do with right. this, this, this many rooms? Cause I think, you know, there's always been this physical aspect to us. And, and when I say physical, but like a mansion, you know, like, sure. the, you know, the Southern gospel songs that talk about right. the mansions the, and glory and so forth. Right. But you have this in your mind, like, this is a physical place. I'm like, but if Jesus is the temple, this is not, if this narrative is tweaked a little bit and we look at yeah. it from a different perspective, what do we do with some of these things that that we have thought maybe are physical or, or, or an act, a physical place? Right. So, so anyway, right. no, I don't, I don't have any questions like that. It's just, okay. again, you know, it's it, rethinking. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you one more thing then. Yeah. So I said that this word is only used twice in the entire New Testament. And, and I'll go ahead and say that that's another thing that's significant. If you're able to do and, – and again, we have online Bible resources. We have Bible software. We can find out this kind of stuff. But when we find words that are only used once or twice, that, that becomes significant then as well, right? We, mm-hmm. we have to think about – 
you know, why, why are they being used where they are? So this word is only used two times in the entire New Testament. And the second time is in John chapter 14, verse 23. Now here it's in the singular. Oh, you mean in the upper room discourse? <laughs> well done. Thanks. <laughs> well done, Ryan. Um, Gold that's, star. That's kind of, if I remember correctly, that's kind of how you did on exams too. Don't yeah. let's, <laughs> it's been too long. You're old, Brian, you forget things. Okay, so, read, so, so look at John 14, 23. Yeah, sure, CSB here. Uh, okay. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. So where do you think the word Monet is in that, in that passage? The, the home. Exactly. So the word, the way that that's translated there is home. So that's the idea, right? It's it's it, it, we could so we could it's in the same chapter. Do you notice that twice? Mm -hmm. The right. only two times this word is used in the New Testament is in John chapter fourteen, mm. and so we could translate that, you know, in my Father's house are many homes, right? And, and and that would sound funny to us, you know, that would be like, what does that mean? But but home is the idea of a place, right, where we where we dwell. It's, it's a place where we are. We talk about being at home, for example, or we say to guests, make yourself at home, right? It, it, it's that that place of comfort, is that place of being with the ones that we love. Uh, and so here, I will come and my father, uh, we will come, Jesus says, my father and I, and we will make our home with them, which is, again, the promise that we see fulfilled in Revelation chapter 21. So I guess to kind of summarize and answer your question, I know it's a lot of a question a lot of people have is uh, I would say the the focus of the idea of the word monai there mm -hmm. is in this idea of place where we can dwell with God. So and that's uh, in my, Christ. In Christ, he he is going and he's prepared. He's becoming this temple, right? Mm -hmm. That allows us not only to experience the presence of God. But it also allows us to be freed from our sins, so that we can we can overcome that separation that that has, you know, we've all followed Adam and Eve in that we've we've all separated ourselves from God in the rebellion of sin, and so I think that's I think that's what the the focus is. Does that does that help? Does that make absolutely, sense? yeah, that absolutely okay. helps. I mean, because that was that was just one of those things is reading through it again, kind of going wait, okay, I'm I'm sure. getting this you know uh, this temple theme, but how what do we do with that? So. Um, let me ask you one question. Why do you, why do you think that, and this is pure conjecture, why do you think sure. it is that we haven't seen that before, or at least for me and my sphere is like, that's, it's always been in that, you know, in the movies and so sure. forth. Uh, there are commentaries that talk about it in that way, that it is the traditional sense of this is heaven. Jesus talk about right. heaven. Why, why is it, are we missing words in there? Are there themes? I mean, what do you think about that? I don't know. That that's a great question. It, it is interesting. There's there's a, and, and again, I want to come back to this. I'm I'm not trying to say that it's impossible for us to understand the Bible if we if we simply read it. I mean, there's right. there's there's there are a handful of places like this. Just just a few that that you know because we've missed some some kind of uh, connection or, or or cultural significance that that we may read it differently. But I do think I, I mentioned cultural before. I think there are a few places that 
how do I say these these concepts almost take on a life of their own. So the mansion, we we don't use that word anymore. That's kind of why I brought the King James in. But that for a while, when everybody was using the King James version, that's what people would talk about. You know, on that the where the streets are paved with gold, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to have that mansion, mansion over the glory. hilltop, yeah. and, right? And and uh, you know, there's what's that one song? Something about uh, you know, I don't need a mansion, just give me a shack on the edge of glory or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. You're old, dude. You're, man. you're, Those you're are the from music the ministry major. I, I thought you knew all the songs. Uh, but, uh, close, close. <laughs> there's a couple of genres I try to exclude myself from. But but anyway. So I do think part of it's cultural. It just kind of almost takes on a life of its own where where it begins to to be thought of in that way. But but I, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you, you know, other than, you know, like I said, it just kind of it, it kind of becomes ingrained. Uh, if we get a chance sometime, I'll show you one other place in uh, John chapter seven where I think we've done something similar. And and there I, I think even the way the verses are put together. We talked about this when we talked about the Bible uh, several episodes ago that, um, the, of course, the chapters and verses weren't put in, you know, they weren't in the original. Right. And, and so there are places where that, th- those those versification, we call where that breaking up has even brought break, broken up a concept or a thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an example of that in John chapter 7. I think that's very clear uh, now when you begin to look at it. Uh, but again, I don't. I don't think this is. It's not like every every paragraph in the Bible. There's some kind of hidden meaning to. That's right. not what I'm trying we're to not, suggest. We're not I, trying to sow discord here. <laughs> and I honestly don't think this is a hidden meaning. I think you know the the thing is when you begin to look at it. I, I mean, I can't see it any other way. Just because uh, you begin to look at the other other places these words are mentioned, like what I just showed you with Monai, for example, uh, rooms. May not be the best uh, translation. In fact, I think the old the the 1984 version of the NIV said dwelling places, if I remember correctly. Uh, I got I'd have to look at that. But uh, you know, it, it's thinking about the meaning of these words. Sometimes it, it shouldn't become overwhelming to us. I think it's just that we have tools at our disposal. In, in fact, I'll, I'll try to put some. I know we're we're in the process of kind of putting together a website. I'll try to put some of these resources that I would recommend that are free on the internet. That's that's one of the amazing things is there, there's a thing called the Red Letter Bible, for example, where you can simply click on an English word and it will bring up the Greek. It'll show you the other places that those words are used. It, it, it's a really handy tool that's available to anybody who has an internet connection. Wow. Uh, you know, there, there's lots of good things like good good resources like that. When I was when I teach internationally, I try to think about those kind of things that are free and easily available and uh, it, it's available to all of us, really. It's something that we can we can all use. So. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, Brian, thanks so much for no uh, clarification following up on the John 14. I mean, yeah. this is pretty much typically how this goes right now. You say a bunch of stuff, and then I'm like, <laughs> wait, I got questions after I think about it for well, a second. I, I, love the, I love answering questions. You know that, Ryan. I, I, it's, that's the thing that really, you know, sometimes I, I have an easier time answering the questions than, than thinking about how to structure what we're going to say. So I, I will say as well, I think if if there's anyone who's listening to this that has some additional questions or anything, it'd be great to send them in. And uh, I don't I don't know we'll send them where. Uh, but uh, <laughs> We're working on we'll, that. We'll, we'll find it'll, a pl- we'll, we'll, there'll be a spot somewhere. We'll find a place. But uh, but no, it'd be great to have some some questions that we could answer and, and use in later shows or whatever. So I think I think it's a good good uh, feedback on that. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Not a problem. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> 
Well, thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope it uh, gave you a little bit clear picture on the theme of Jesus as the temple. As Brian mentioned, there's a lot of ground to cover and uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface, but we do hope that this uh, bonus content did maybe help clear the fog a little bit. In next week's episode, Brian and I talk about what happened between the time of the Old Testament and the New Testament, also referred to as the intertestamental period. Uh, That's a mouthful. We talk about what world events happened, what wars happened, and there are a ton of them, (laughs) what leaders emerged, and how we got the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're not in the Old Testament, but all of a sudden they are on the scene and in charge for the most part in the Gospels. And just as a point of clarification on the episode you just heard, Brian misspoke in this episode and he called the online resource for word studies the Red Letter Bible, but it is actually the Blue Letter Bible, which you can find a link for on our website, thebiblebistro.com. As a bonus to those of you who subscribe to our email list, which you can sign up for on our website, thebiblebistro.com, Brian and I are putting together a video resource to help you understand and use the Blue Letter Bible. If you've never used a resource like that before, it can be a little confusing to find the information you want or the information that you just need to focus on, but taking the time to learn it is well worth it for your personal study. We are working on those videos right now, so if you sign up, you will get first access to those as soon as they are complete. If you hate websites and are full on social media, you can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? And also, if you would share uh, our Facebook page or our Instagram post, uh, we would love to be able to reach as many people as possible with this content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We look forward to talking with you next Tuesday about the intertestamental period. Take care. <laughs>